What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, this is Jackie Russo, and welcome to Razor Branding Podcast live. Uh, This is basically an excuse for me to hang out and play with my friends during the global pandemic. And for your fun and enjoyment, I'm doing it live online so everybody can watch. So today's guest is a special guest, Melissa Bowen. (laughs) Melissa, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, For the people who don't know, Melissa and I have been friends since college. And if you caught our very first episode ever with Michael Russo, he references Melissa because she's the one who set us up on our first date. It's true. Facts. And I can either be blamed for that or uh, congratulated for that. (laughs) Thanks for it. You are both every day. Awesome. Yes. And because we appreciated that so much, we had our first kid on your birthday. And I really appreciate that because it helps me remember Jackson's birthday too. Exactly. But <laughs> it was like the best 30th birthday gift we could give. I mean, yeah. what else? You know, I could give you like a candle or I could give you a baby. Love it. Yeah. So we went with, um, and then to return the favor, we set you up on your first date with your now husband. Yes. I, I love how it all comes full circle to sorority. Yes. It all ties in. Speaking of sorority, do you want to tell everybody what we did last night? No, I would like you to, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I'll start us off, but you need sure. to finish it because you shut down the night. It was really nice. A zoom call with entirely too many people, but it was perfect. Like 15 to 20 some odd people. At one point we we're at 21 and all sorority sisters from college. So a big shout out to our fine muse from USL days. Um, it was special and beautiful and hilarious and like no time or quarantine had passed at all. I haven't laughed that hard in 30 years. Yeah. Like my face hurt today. Yeah. It was good for the heart. It was sure. great. And so, you know, Zoom comes with a free 40-minute package. So if you have a free account, you can just be on for 40 minutes and then they'll kick you off. Um, In honor of the call, I thought I should probably upgrade my package. And thank God I did uh, because we were on for five hours and 12 minutes. When you texted me, because I got off several hours earlier, I was like, why is she still texting me when I went? I said I was going to bed at 11 o'clock saying, okay, we're just now getting off. It's like, no way. Well, and the thing is, I hosted it. So I... I couldn't get off. If I got off, it would have ended. So I was in it for the long haul. And thank God, it was amazing. And we had more people jumping on at the end. Um, so uh, there was the last five standing, and then we finally had to shut it down. It does show the need for a new normal of Zoom etiquette 101, though. So everyone um, should get in that class. I think some of our sisters don't Zoom as often during the day as you and I might, because yeah. we spent a lot of time talking about the Zoom rules and trying to explain to them how to do things. Yeah, it was um, awesome. And that was kind of half the fun. So um, I want to kind of jump into it and talk specifically about the crisis that we're all in and this new normal and why we would have to have a five-hour Zoom call to begin with. So uh, for people who don't already know you, let's start with um, what was your occupation and how did you do it before? before the global pandemic began? Uh, I am a licensed professional counselor. I am in private practice. I've I've been counseling for 10 years, but went into private practice about two and a half years ago. And I have my own office. Um, I'm sorry, I hear somebody else. (laughs) Your office activity. I hear activity. Right. Um, 
but I have my own uh, office uh, off Collie Saloon, shared with a colleague, Beth, Beth Balmer, and we would have clients come in and out every day. Um, and so it was all in person, live and in person. So counseling in person and groups. I was holding groups at the downtown workshop space next to your place there that you have and had large groups kind of come in there once a month. So that's what it was looking like as of March 13th. So what did it start looking like on March 14th? How did it change? Um, uh, pretty drastically um, and immediately. I, I made the decision to go immediately into telehealth, which I had not done at all before. Um, so got some training, got the platform, the secure video platform that's offered by my, uh, my programmer, uh, Simple Practice, um, had written consent forms, contacted all my clients to say, this is the shift that I'm having to make for mine and your safety. And, and then everything was exactly like this ever since then. So I, I left the office. I'm here at my home. This is my home office. And all my work now is done like this, including one of the groups. Um, they all agreed to continue. And so we've got uh, a four 14-person group that meets um, at least once a month for right now. And the next one will be next week. So it's all online. So it looks just like a Zoom call, but you said it is secure. So it's not the typical... Correct. Yeah. Um, it uh, password protected, HIPAA compliant, um, and all of my colleagues. And I mean, if you want to know like how the industry has shifted, yeah. um, I have seen the mental health profession and industry, and especially all of our, my colleagues here in Acadiana, uh, shifted swiftly um, with training, HIPAA compliance, secure video platforms, chat. You know, we don't use our phones. We use HIPAA compliant messaging systems so that everyone can still feel like their privacy, confidentiality is all intact. Um, everyone's been communicating in our professional Facebook groups and, and personal conversations that we all feel like, am I covering everything? Am, am, am I addressing things? How do I make it most comfortable so that it's not awkward transitions for our clients and just making sure the profession is intact as well. So it's been, it's been beautiful as far as the mental health profession and community here in Acadiana and around the, the, the globe, I'm sure. Right. You talked about how swiftly that adaptation happened. And that's always impressive to me when an entire industry can do a pivot like that. Um, I remember you mentioning a um, very lengthy training session you went through. Was that already planned or did that happen concurrently with the shift? Um, the, it is a, um, a nine hour training that's required to say that I do mental health. Um, you probably shouldn't do air quotes when you talk about mental health. I just think no, people I, should take it seriously. We're doing it now. Yeah, we're, yeah. I am doing it. Um, but like to have a <laughs> telemental health. I'm sorry. There we tele, go. Okay. Telehealth. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, teletherapy, telehealth. It was happening before. Um, and some, even your doctors, your psychiatrists, uh, counselors were doing it before, but it just wasn't everyone. Um, and so to say that I actually offer telehealth required specific training and certifications. Um, the Louisiana Counseling Association, our Louisiana Board of Examiners for Professional Counselors, they all rallied quickly to start offering this training regularly. Like within a week, I think there was at least three to four, nine hour trainings that everyone could jump on. And so one Sunday, I just spent my day in front of the computer getting, you know, tips and tricks for uh, legal, ethical, uh, personal ways to make sure that this can happen uh, 
quickly. So no, the, the training was already in existence, but I did it one Sunday um, within a week of this happening, as did a lot of my friends and colleagues. That's a rapid transformation for an entire industry. I think the fact that we already had some of the bones in place was uh, helpful um, because we just said uh, we everyone needs it and we all need it now. There is no choice now. Um, so it, it really they, they, it happened swiftly. It was very impressive. I think it is. How much do you think this is going to stick in terms of the telehealth approach now that people are doing it? How has it been for your patients to adapt and then which you know, not which ones, don't name names, yeah. but, um, but what percentage or how do you think that's all going to work out for them? Um, I think it's going to stick around a lot more for various reasons, not just because we really don't know what the, and I am going to do air quotes, the next new normal um, will look like because we don't know what that really looks like. Um, it's been way more comfortable for me than I thought it would be, more comfortable for some of my clients than I thought it would be because it it was a thing before. Um, it's hugely convenient. You don't have to worry about commute, traffic, scheduling time, windows. Um, so I think it'll stick around, obviously, a whole lot more. I, uh, I, I'm ready to get back into my office, too, when it's safe. So are some of my clients. Um, it, I think it just kind of remains to be seen. But I think probably way more than what we think will be more like this now. So then it sounds like, because you want to go back to your office, you're not going to go straight telehealth. You're going to have a hybrid. I will. I will probably have a hybrid because honestly, I've enjoyed this more than I thought too. Um, my breaks look different when I'm home. Um, my my self-care looks very different when I shut down, how quickly I get home and turn, I turn it off. Um yeah, Amy, I, I'm sorry. Can I, can I yeah, comment on do. that thing? Yeah, that's kind of the point yeah. of it being live. Yeah, Amy um, is a, um, a fellow clinician. She was on that nine-hour training the same day as I was. Um, and she does child uh, play therapy and works with children. And so to realize that family therapy is still happening, children and play therapy is still happening all like this, and it is effective and um, convenient. Um, and so, yeah, Amy, I, I've adapted it too. It's, it's just great. We worked with a client years ago that uh, does remote monitoring of heart health. And so there's all these devices and gadgets that you can wear or import into your life, um, whether it's obviously, you know, uh, blood pressure, um, uh, the, the watches, all these things. And so what I imagine when I think about play therapy is how you remotely instruct someone how, I mean, that's a challenge. Yeah. What I've heard, cause I don't do children. I'm, I, I just start with teens to adults, but, um, the use of puppets, uh, games, you can play games when, when you both have the same game. So, um, there's a lot of, ways to integrate uh, play therapy with kids. And with teens, I'll be honest, I was surprised by my number of teen clients that were not comfortable initially going to this. And I'm thinking, you're on your devices all the time. Why is this so hard? But um, once uh, I've had a, you know, that one, you, you just kind of got to break that ice and then it's way more comfortable. It's like, this is not as uh, bad, awkward, uncomfortable as I thought it would be. I think what it is, is um, a lot of them, like, um, like my girls, they, they'll have like accounts, like they have, Molly had a TikTok account and, um, but she didn't want us to know about it, you know, or to see it or whatever, or to participate in it. And, you know, and eventually she had Jackie on it, but it was the idea of they controlled their environment yeah. and they controlled who they allowed in and who they, who they would see, you know? So I think it's, um, having somebody outside their, their circle 
now well, being part of their bubble, you know. For me, it's it's nice because I don't like being around a lot of people anyway. So, um, you know, I, I don't like this doesn't really change a whole lot for me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I control it's, my space, you know. It, it's a little bit of both. So, like for my the fact that you say that's like, yeah, I'm home and I'm in my my comfort zone. And then for others, it's I am letting someone from the outside in to see my comfort zone, and that can be very uncomfortable too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I. I, I I have had a couple of new clients since this all started, and that's been an interesting transition of how to build before um, just from through a screen. Um, but it, it it's just a different level, different skills. Same effect um, can can happen, though, of trust and security for sure. You talked about letting people into your space. And I know you and I talked about this uh, during our friend time the other day, um, that new Twitter account, Rate My Skype Room. Yes. Um, if y'all have not checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. It's called at Rate My Skype Room. And they take screenshots or actual photographs of their TVs when people are on a Skype or a Zoom or whatever on the news. And then they rate the decor in the background. So I'm very conscious right now. I'm thinking too. <laughs> what book can people see? What pictures on the wall? Because yeah, exactly. Raging like Cajun it. flag. Just I saw it. that immediately. Yeah, yeah it's nice. Okay, I get good. it. <laughs> um, so how are your clients handling this new normal that we're in right now? I mean, how, what's been the range of emotions and levels of freak out? Um, that's actually been very interesting as a professional to see and then personally to experience my own uh, spectrum uh, expanding um, because you would think that it would all be heightened, which it kind of is. But what I was fascinated with is several of my clients who live with like generalized anxiety disorder and already high levels of anxiety learned that they already had the skills and tools in place to deal with the things that were happening. I'm hoping you're still there, Jackie. Are you still Oh, there? yeah, yeah, I'm here. Okay. okay. Um, they already had the skills and tools in place to deal with what was happening. Um, in fact, one of my first clients that I met with after that uh, said, I got this. The rest of the world is just coming up to the level I live with on a daily basis. And so I found that very admirable and impressive. And I was able to communicate that to some others that were able to own that kind of power, too. It's like, uh, if you've been dealing with it, you've got skills and tools already that you're using because I mean, if I can just offer this, um, anxiety and fears, they, they serve a purpose. It says something needs to be addressed or, you know, something is concerning. And frankly, right now, something is a big something. And so our anxieties are going to serve a purpose. They're going to tell us what I need to address or Uh, take care of or plan for to keep myself safe and protected and healthy. And so there's a, you just, we got to learn the balance between uh, creating that safety and avoiding chaos. um, And so that, that that's creating some stability. So it's just creating a balance. So it's not avoiding anxieties or fears altogether. It's learning what purpose they can serve for us. I've heard that from a couple of people who uh, are in therapy and have said, I've trained for this my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like this is my time because the rest of y'all, y'all don't have the capability to to handle all this. This is how I live every day. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then, so the other side of the spectrum, uh, people who are surprised at how much uh, anxiety, I guess, happened or fears or sadness um, uh, because loneliness can kick in. And and there's, there is just a wide spectrum of 
of of all the things that come with this very unknown, uncharted territory. And so it, it's important everybody kind of checks in with themselves to figure out what is it that I need right now? Because my quarantine experience does not look like somebody else's, not the people I see on social media, not my neighbors across the street. And so it's really important for everybody to acknowledge for themselves, what do I need right now? What am I going through? My fears, my grief, um, everything is okay that I'm feeling so that I can know what I need to move forward and whatever the next step is. Right. Well, that's what we talked about the other day. And I've seen this floating around on social media. We may be all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I think that that resonates a lot with me. Yeah. So take care of what is in your boat, but then knowing that the people around me are also in the same storm could be comforting. So find that for what it is. Um, but figure out what it, what your boat specifically needs. Yeah, I liked that too. Yeah. Um, so Michelle Vadrine uh, says, when this is over, I think some of these new norms will become normal for us. Which things do you hope stay and which things do you hope go back? Uh, boundaries, self-care, family time, uh, play, music, the, the levity and, and, and uh, joy that I've seen through music videos and people reading and cooking and exercising and only a fraction of which I'm actually doing, but um, I'm more in the boundaries, sit outside. Oh, this is lovely. That. Um, right. So I think those things, um, because those are guideposts of wholehearted living, um, uh, laughter and play and rest. And so for me personally, the natural boundaries that were automatically set were huge. So I got to figure out what do I want to integrate when this is over, when we're on the other side of it. Um, so those kind of things I hope can stay. Right. What do you hope comes back? What do you miss? What are you looking forward to getting back? Music, theater, concerts, um, hugs. I've, I've never really been a toucher, to be honest, but I've, I've um, found um, an odd need for hugging people. <laughs> um, I make my kids hug me every day. That's great. Yeah. I mean, like we do it anyway naturally, but mm-hmm. now I'm like, oh no, there's a, like, I need a fix because <laughs> yeah. I, I usually get it multiple times throughout the day from meetings and just, you know, my general life. And now it's like, okay, it's five o'clock and no one's hugged me today. Line up. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm looking like uh, Kara said, bring it, the simple things. I, I, I think I'm hoping that we all have found a new appreciation for things that we've kind of taken for granted. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to groupness, community, right. um, that kind of thing. Right. But I know um, we've got a lot of healing and, uh, um, and not just like emotional, mental, physical, financial, we've got so much farther to go for sure. Right. Thanks, Teeny. So, um, do you know each other? Christine. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, So um, Christine McGill, who I know is Tini Laurel, um, and I went to grade school and high school together, and she is also a therapist in town. Oh, okay. Well, nice to meet you. Yeah, y'all probably need to hook up at some point. That would be great. Yeah. Um, So one of the things that you and I have talked about um, is what people can be doing for self-care. And, you know, so I have a coworker this morning, and we're, what are we, five weeks in now? And she's like, I've reached, I'm done. Like I'm done this. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm over it. It's over. I had that three times yesterday. 
<laughs> well, that's the thing is I see people reaching it at different times and in different ways. So what do you see as the, you actually help people go through this every day? What are you hearing? What are they feeling? Um, it, and it, it, it is a full spectrum from fear, anxiety, depression, loneliness, grief. Cause you know, we've got people who are sick, dying, the seniors are grieving, uh, lots of uh, weddings and family plans and trips. Um, so the whole spectrum of it. Uh, so I think it's important that you self-check. Um, check yourself every day or know what your tells are if you are in some kind of distress. Am I isolating, overeating, drinking too much? Am I yelling at people and snapping when I, you know, am I doing things that aren't, don't feel normal and healthy to me? So know what my self-check is, know what my tell is. Because if you, if we don't really identify what that thing is that I'm dealing with, it becomes overwhelming. Um, because the, the answer would be like, how are you doing? It's a lot because yeah, it's a lot. But if I don't say, um, I'm, I'm worried about my finances because my husband works in the oil field and we did get a pay cut. We're worried about his job. So I'm worried about that. Then it all just feels overwhelming or with me personally, um, I'm not worried about my health so much, but when I get isolated, I get anxious. And so if I don't, if we don't name it for what, you are dealing with specifically, then then you don't know really how to help yourself, how to address the things that you're dealing with. So self-checking to naming what you are actually dealing with. So then it'll better equip you on how to handle it because it might just be some self-compassion. Um, you might be feeling bad that I haven't fed my kids a vegetables in weeks. Um, and so, you know what, give yourself a little bit of a break there and show yourself some compassion or reach out or Go do some, uh, you know, grounding um, outside, go outside, listen to some music, do something with meaning, you know, so, and I can go through a whole bunch of suggestions of, of ways that people are self-caring, but I don't know if that's what you oh, want I, it is. And I think everybody needs that right now because we may be out of our original list. You know, like the list you started on March 14th of how to deal with this. Well, we're on April 22nd now. Yeah. yeah. Zoom might get old here uh, <laughs> soon. Um, and, you know, I, I if anybody does either hear this either live or later, I mean, I would almost even encourage use this forum to just type in what you are doing because it does look different. But I would say um, find the people that you can talk to, not just for healthy distractions, but that you can say, I'm struggling today. So somebody to connect with doing something physical. Um, and that could even be, um, just stepping outside, getting fresh air, chugging a glass of water, just getting in touch with some of your, your physical body, taking care of you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, something, doing something with meaning, um, helping someone else, the whole volunteer, you know, all the charity volunteering, serving, that gets us out of ourselves um, and 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 helps and, and and helps others. So that's a huge way to do some self care. But is it, more determined? is it hard? Like right now, though, it seems like I was talking to somebody yesterday. Um, there's no escaping it. That's the thing. It's like it, every time you talk, do talk to someone. That's the first thing that comes up. It's hard to avoid. It's on your news. It's on e everything that you see. I mean, your Facebook feeds. It is. It, you're bombarded with yeah. this and there's no there's no escape there's no escape you, you i would i would propose that there you you have to monitor your input um you know i mean full disclosure i stopped watching the news a while ago i asked jackie to be my news filter because i 
emotionally just can't take that much input of that kind of stuff. And I had to ask myself, what of it is beneficial? And what of it is just fueling some obsessive things that I can't control? If, you know, if we encourage each other to focus on what you can control, that puts you in a power seat. Well, I can control what input. And so I look for only what I need to know. Is the stay-at-home order going to be lifted after April 30th? So then I got decisions to make. Um, monetary to be clear, employment. as Melissa's news filter, these are the things I have told her. Number one, you have to stay at home until April 30th. Number two, Drew Brees re-upped for two more years. Mm-hmm. That's it. Those are the only two things she's needed to know for six weeks. Well, and you did tell me you did tell me you did tell me about the um uh small business. Oh, and, and the small business loans. That yeah. was the third part. Yes. Yeah. So three a, things that have mattered in six yeah. weeks. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think right now, though, is like uh, I, was, I was talking to you, Melissa, the other day about this, is that, you know, people like me, if you don't know me, um, like this is a normal, you know, I overthink and I upset. Like, I'm, I'm always I'm a warrior, I guess, about, you know, the world and uh, not really conspiracy theories like that. But like, you know, just these things are always on my mind of things that are how the world affects little things, you know, I think people like Jackie who kind of live in the moment are normal, I guess, normal people are, <laughs> are struggling with this maybe more because they're thrown into a world that they're not maybe comfortable with all the time. You know, like, I feel like, you know, for me, like, you know, not that this is normal, but I don't know if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like this You've been prepping for point. this your yeah. whole life. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but you live at you live at a level like you, you know, you are more com- not more comfortable, but more used to this kind of level of let me prepare, let me find the things I can control. Anxiety. I live in a world yeah. of anxiety in a way, yeah. you know. And so I think other people have been thrown into a world of anxiety and they've had to deal with it in a whole another way, you know. Everyone. Yeah. And um to, to your point about like we can't get away from it, Mike. I, um, I am. I think back to Katrina, and I, I don't mean to. I, when I think in my conversations, I refer back to Katrina a lot um, because it was such a big, tra- um, obviously, event in my family's life. But that was every conversation, and I learned pretty quickly—not pretty quickly, years. Um, you eventually have to talk about other things. And so even now I find when we have conversations or with anyone else, yes, we're going to talk about this. There will be life uh, pre-COVID, pre-corona and post-corona. But in the meantime, force, we've got to force ourselves to talk about the other things. So we stay connected on things other than virus, pandemic and quarantine. Um, yeah. But that's what happened on our call last night. I thought that uh, Pam Cartwright, serving as a self-appointed MC, did an <laughs> admirable job. But she did a great job of rotating through a, a lot of loud ladies and did a check on where are you professionally, personally? How mm-hmm. are you doing with all this? And then we were able to move into the rest of it. So we don't have to live in it, even though we're in the middle of it right now. Right. But it is the first topic of conversation, just like Katrina was, because you got to check on your sisters. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. Um, one of the things that I see, um, and I think it is going to be like post Katrina, it is going to be like post Great Depression, September 11th, 9-11, absolutely. It is going to fundamentally change who we are for generations. Yeah. And it's global. Yeah. And I I think there's no way for us to really know what that looks like. We just can't, you know, um, in, in my opinion, I think we're just going to start creating it moment by moment, decision by decision. Um, 
I love the book um, that I have on over there, the um, Victor Frankl's The Meaning, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. That's about his experience in Auschwitz. And um, he just says how we just have to answer what life is bringing to us moment by moment and what's life bringing to me moment by moment. Not even everyone, but my decisions are what life is bringing, asking of me in each individual moment. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see a decade from now which we never could see after September 11th or Katrina or even the oil spill, the anniversary that was, you know, we, we, there was no predicting how life would be created after that, but we're just going to do it day by day. Right. And I think that, you know, 9-11 is a great example because it was so shocking. And uh, where Katrina, I think, geographically was small, 9-11 affected a larger geography, Mm -hmm. even though the the towers were in New York, the TSA changes in the airport affect everybody. Mm -hmm. And so I think we'll see those things where um, the pendulum swung all the way post 9-11 and then kind of started to find neutral. Right. Because I'm I remember having to fly for a funeral shortly after, and I thought, we're, we're never flying again. You know, th- there's things that we think I'm never going to do again. So we don't know what Saints football season looks like right now. I don't know when the Sanger will come back. Don't know, you know, even just Little League baseball or, you know, local concerts or church or those things that we were used to people. We don't know what that's going to look like. It will. We just don't know. And it's going to be hard to be patient with recreating that. Well, with 9-11, too, I think it was um, it was the emotional toll that it took on the whole country. And mm-hmm. the, the again, the because the un- if you remember back to that time, it was, is it over yet? What's next? Are, are we all safe? And, and every time you went to a public gathering, you know, you thought about those things and it, 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 it crept into our consciousness. You know, that's of, of everything now. And that's everything yeah. now. Everything you just said is exactly now. Yeah, I went to the story of the day, and um, I, I didn't have a mask at the time. I've, I've, I've since donned a, uh, a sporty bandana I picked up. But um, but it was like I was walking to the store, and I just didn't think about it, you know? But I had people dodging me. I mean, like, I, they saw me coming, and they were, like, literally turn around and go the other way. <laughs> I was like, all right, I got to – I I can't deal with that, being a, a, a you know – Pariah. A, yeah, pariah, yeah. everybody. So – yeah, I think those things, but I, but I think it's an easy adjustment. I mean, for years we've seen Asia. Every time you see footage of someone in Asia, they were wearing masks. It was just mm-hmm. part of their 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 way of life, you know, for all the things that they went through at different times. And um, unfortunately, that's going to be where we're not, you know where we're headed. Yeah, my concern is for the healthcare workers, the and and people who um, deal with like nursing homes and hospices and things like that, because there that's real time trauma that is still happening. You know, as a, um, a counselor, you know, we typically get people in our office after the fact, you know, after trauma has happened and we try to help them process those, um, responses, survival mechanisms, their reactions after it is over. So like, and to use an image, like after the knife has been pulled out, we've got an open wound, but something that can eventually scab over and pick off and heal in time, but we're still in it. And that's hard to wrap my head around as a, a mental health professional, like how how we can be there for that real-time trauma while it's happening. Um, I don't really have an answer for that, but it's something that weighs on my heart for sure. Well, I'm sure. And I think uh, much like watching my grandmother reuse tinfoil, over and over and over again, the small habits that we pick up through this will stick with us and we won't even necessarily know this is where they originated. 
Yeah. Um, and so it'll be the little ways of coping and recovering and feeling like we're doing something to help prevent the next one from happening. Yeah. You know, whatever that might be. Yeah. Um, and kind of make light of it though, too. Um, somebody's going to have to remind me not to wear flip-flops when we get out. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> somebody tell me if my pants don't match, but whatever. <laughs> I'm more worried about people's pants fitting at all. Not going to happen. I stopped worrying about that like yeah. five pounds ago. <laughs> the COVID-19 is real. It is. Um, so as we transition from talking about the pandemic to um, the star of our show, any other parting words on the crisis and what people need to do to seek help and, and make sure that they are as healthy through this as they can be? If you're doing it for yourself, um, uh, definitely the, the self-check. Identify what your need is and 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 get that for yourself um, for whatever that is. I mean, I'll even post Jackie if you want like yeah. a, a whole host of suggestions. I mean, Google Google that you have a need. Google that you can find Pinterest videos, YouTube, everything that will address exactly something you are dealing with. But I will say this: the mental health professionals are here for you, and, and I'm speaking even in Acadiana because I know firsthand. We are available and accessible. There is no reason why no one should um, not get support from an objective, trained, educated, compassionate individual, because I know they are on the other side of every phone and computer right now. And um, I will say something else. Um, insurance companies have kind of stepped up to the plate, too. I don't know about all of them, and I'm not going to make any guarantees of blanket statements, but Blue Cross is, um, is covering telehealth. Um, like even if you had a copay, I mean, again, no guarantees, but I was so impressed by how our counseling association, our board and, um, and, and insurance companies have stepped up too. So there's no reason not to get help, especially now. No one has to go through this alone. So please get help as you need it. So if someone is seeking help, do they uh, just Google therapist in Lafayette? Do they go to psychology today and look at the recommended professionals nearby? What are the process? Yeah, if you if you have insurance, I would say go there first. Um, go to your provider list um, because that's your list of people that your insurance company is going to cover. Um, uh, Acadiana has a huge uh, professional population of people who also take Medicaid and Medicare. Um and, and so to look through, you know, th those providers, psychology today, it is not an exhaustive list, um, but you can filter professionals. It's a, it's a place where professionals pay to have their profiles on there, but at least it's a resource uh, where you can read about people and see uh, who you might be drawn to and even filter by insurance, age, uh, demographic and need, et cetera. Chad David Baudouin. Melissa is an amazing counselor. Well, Chad David Baudouin is also too. I refer to him also. So thank delightful. you. Thank you. Oh, he is awesome, but his wife, like <laughs> that's a big marry up right there. <laughs> big time. Um, oh, look, Amy Romero is putting mm -hmm. together a parenting package for discipline that's personalized to each parent-child dynamic. That's, that's awesome, amazing. Amy, Amy yeah. if you're going to be publishing that and you want to put a link to it in the comments when you're ready, that would be awesome because I know people could really benefit from that. Um, I think parenting during this time is its own set of challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. David agrees that he married up. He knows. <laughs> like you're thinking oh he's agreeing about the parenting no yes he's agreeing about tara yeah i, I think he was agreeing with amy's comment come on <laughs> david i'm with you 
Oh, you two know that David married up. Tara's amazing. No, we've all married up. Let's be honest. <laughs> we, wouldn't, we wouldn't all be here. <laughs> Men wise. I'm married up. I don't know. I think Cody Bowen married up. Uh-huh. But sure. yeah, Amy, you know, I mean, I, I wish I could list like all my counselor friends who do, do, who do work with children and parents because they're doing such creative things, um, not only with having littles on the other side of a screen, but families um, and and helping them with parenting. So again, really, there is, oh, look, Tara Bodwin's chiming in. Um, <laughs> there's Tara. Uh, so there really is no reason why someone should not be without some objective support right now. Right. No, I agree. Um, Leslie Little asked, Amy, if it's going to include college age. Leslie, um, at the Russo house with two in high school and two in college, we so far have just managed to keep them fed. So I'm not sure what else anybody's supposed to do right now, but it's like nine meals a day. Yeah. College, you know, they, they're, you've, you've got people who are making their own decisions anyway, as, as ill-informed and immature as it is, their brains aren't formed anyway. So I think you're responsible. Yeah. I think as a parent, that's really your only responsibility, shelter and food. Yeah. Well, that's about all they want. It seems like most days. Yeah. And, and to give my kids credit, they have adapted and adjusted very well. And I'm very proud of how uh, they've tackled this possibly better than their parents at some times. Um, last night when we were on the marathon five hour Zoom call, I started receiving pictures from Michael of our bathroom and I couldn't quite figure out what was going on until I realized Molly was cutting Jackson's hair. <gasps> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, well, she did. I took over at some point. <laughs> and because um, the, the fear in Jackson's eyes was was really real, and um, she was so nervous about messing it up. So anyway, I took it over, and all of a sudden, I swear I was transformed. Jackson was six years old again, and I had a pair of clippers in my hand, and I was cutting his hair. And, and just like before, like what, what normally happens, it would start off fine, and I'd give up for professional haircutters because they are trained and skilled professionals, and no one else should attempt it without the training. Because all of a sudden, I would like slice through a big chunk, and I'd be like, "Oh my God, now I have to shave the whole thing and and he was he was terrified of that at the same time, and so um so I was just going really gingerly but but it was like all of a sudden my twenty one year old boy was bald six year old kid well, no, but he was a kid again, and I was yeah. a dad again, and it was a really neat moment because I, we were all transformed in that, and um something that I haven't done. I haven't cut my son's hair since he was a baby, you know. And that's a beautiful thing. It's things like that, that I love that we are able to do or experience and, tre- you know, treasure. No, and that's, and, and you hate to say, like, Jack and I talked the other day and she said, you know, um, what are the good things that have come out of this? I was like, it's hard to find them. But I guess if there was a silver lining, it's that, you know, our life has been transported back. I mean, we have family dinners now every night, which we haven't had in two years. With and everyone. that's... And that's not transported back. You're you're creating it in real time now. And I don't um, you know, I don't think it has to be, even feel like silver lining because like we're can I curse on here? We're in a yeah. shitstorm. I mean, like, you know, this is this is hard. There's nothing that's not hard. This is hard. Just because we can find the good in it, like Mr. Rogers says, look for the helpers, look for the good. There is, there can be, and that's beautiful. That is, it, 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 uh, like Jackie, when I, I posted with you back and forth the other night, it's both and, not either or. Just because I'm going through this sucky does not mean something awesome can also happen. It's both and. But I think there's also some sense of, and I don't know if it's if it's guilt 
or um, the sense that it's a global pandemic and people are dying and healthcare workers are giving their lines on the front lines every day. So we should be suffering through this. So when it's a beautiful day and we're on a walk or it's a fun family dinner or there's a new client, it's like, (laughs) oh, now there's guilt. um, And uh, what does that guilt serve them? Right. The people that, you know, that, that as soon as you throw in the word should, then it stops any authentic experience whatsoever. Um, but the guilt, our feeling bad about the others does not serve them. Um, it, it, our, our experiences can happen at the same time. I can have a friend that's in tremendous grief, but each experience is unique and authentic to what it is. And it, it, we shouldn't diminish our experiences just because they're different. Any, as soon as we go into comparing it all, then we lose the genuineness of what we are experiencing because someone's always going to have it better. Someone is always going to have it worse. And it's important that we stay authentic to ours. Uh, well, yeah. and to be clear, just to follow up on our, our, our family gatherings, it is not the Beaver household or the Brady Bunch because no. it always starts good. And then some somewhere along the line, somebody runs off unhappy. So, it, <laughs> And it's not always more. Mike. Sometimes it's another one. It's never me. I'm, <laughs> I am the dad. I'm in control of all family situations <laughs> at all times. And they respect me and my authority. This is not comedy hour, Mike. We're talking mental health. Reality. We're talking about reality. Um, No, and I do see the people posting on Facebook. And and look, I've got some great friends who have managed, I think, to really pull together some amazing theme nights, costumes, whatevers. We're not those people. Um, We will never have matching T-shirts at Disney World. But... I, um, I but do think to be granted, to, no, your dream is to have that. Let's just be honest. No, no not the matching t-shirts at Disney. No, um, come on. No, I, I, we are not. You the, made us all wear Thanksgiving, uh, hats. Turkey hats. Yeah. It's literally turkeys on our heads on, at a dinner on a cruise once. So yeah, let's just it, be honest. It was awesome. <laughs> it really was awesome. Yeah. Let's just be real here. Go, a go. dream. <laughs> yeah. I might pull those out again, actually this weekend. I know where they are. Mike, I see a TikTok video in your future. Oh, no. No, the girls are terrified he's going to get on TikTok. That is, oh, no. They are very scared about that. Oh, a couple things I want to circle back to. One, Michael mentioned Molly being on TikTok. Uh, For people who are tackling the challenges of your kids on social media right now, you know, obviously the rules may change. Um, And so the challenges of limiting screen time give yourself some grace. Uh, That may be the only way you get through the day. I mean, is that what you're telling people right now? Oh, grace everywhere. First grace everywhere. Because everything, the way that we operated from March 13th before is over. Right. Um, And so, yeah, we're all in survival, working to what will thriving be again. So yeah, grace everywhere. But the one thing I do think that every parent needs to stay in touch with in terms of digital screens and rules are making sure apps are age appropriate. And so she's 16 uh, using TikTok um, and she had to let me follow her, which is the challenge we had at our house. Uh, but you you are allowing your kids to be on more, understandably, but make sure they're doing it safely uh, because I'm reading a lot of articles about the increases in um, sexting and inappropriate behaviors online, even under your own roof. Well, and and that's for the adults too. Um, And I I don't, and I don't even mean like screen time, but um, we're all going to 
coping and a huge coping mechanism is numbing, uh, you know, are, are things that feel soothing, but might not always be the best for us. And so the concepts of self-care and monitoring, whether it's parents or ourselves, the concepts are the same, but they may look very different right now. Um, you know, what healthy living still applies, but it looks different. Same with caring for our littles and teens and ourselves. Right. I mean, you just, you have to do what's, um, what's appropriate for the time, but what's appropriate. That's exactly right. So let's move on because, um, we, we've got 18 minutes left and I want to make the most of it. And I still have a stack of these bad boys. Okay. So let's talk about Melissa Lyons Bowen, the early years. We'll start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? New Orleans East. I say East because we're all very proud of the East. I know there's no one on here that will know that, but someone listening might New Orleans East. Of course, of course. Um, so talk about the early days, parents, siblings. Um, I have three older siblings, three older sisters. They were all 16 uh, years older, 16, 17, 18 years older than me. So I kind of was raised an only child, but with um, siblings later. So that was awesome. My parents were good. My mom was a teacher. My dad was human resources. Went to private girls school until I came to USL. And then am I going beyond USL? No, you're good. You're good. Okay. Yeah. So how did you get New Orleans to USL? Like why USL? I'll be honest. I didn't really think I was going to stay. Um, uh, but then uh, one semester in, uh, Laura, Laura Jane Adams, uh, now Latino, and I were roommates and it just stuck. I got, I got into Fine U. You, I ended up loving USL and all my time there. The dance department, Fine U, and then show choir and the rest is history. So uh, on Michael's interview, he talked a little bit about show choir and um, show choir, but yes, continue. it all comes back to show choir. And he felt the need to distance his show choir experiences <laughs> from the show Glee. So what are your thoughts? We were Glee before it was cool. Um, it was not cool, but we thought we were for sure. Um, but now we fully embrace our total show choir geekdom for the beauty that it is. And Michael, I'm staring at you because you know, it's true. Well, yes, but it was, you know. No, yes, but. Yeah. Yes, and. Yes, and. Yes. Well, I, I'll talk about the first day I met Melissa. Um, we were nope. actually. Nope. No, Next question. <laughs> we were at a, at a practice and we're on Angela Hall and on the stage and she came in like, in, was, I don't know why, it was a weekend for some reason. It was like a Sunday and we're, I think it was. Remember, Sunday. I'm a professional on this call. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Next story. It, Next story. Yeah. All right. We, we met her and it was nice. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, also <laughs> on Michael's um, uh, interview, he mentioned his version of how he and I first met. Do you want to share your recollection? Well, I was not at the meeting where um, he well, said. She chased after me. Yeah. That's I was not the part that. that needs to be fact checked. I, I was not there. So I, know, I but you heard about it from each of us later. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, mm, don't uh, bring me in. I'm not a professional in this swabble. <laughs> trying to get free counseling. Come on. Nope. Let's have it out right now. Next question. I love that I can pull the pass card. Pass. I told you you could. I told you you had the right to do that the whole time. Um, so what advice would you give to the younger you? Oh, don't worry so much about what people think. It's just going to hold you back. That's good. Uh, yeah. Describe a typical day in your life. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I get up, <laughs> Yay! I, I, I dress this part of me 
Uh, I do go to work. I come to work. This is, you know, this is my work. I, I fortunately, I do have clients. Um, I'll be honest, my job has shifted a lot. We're seeing a lot drop off and some come in. So it, it's not all that stable, but I'm grateful for what it is. So I do go to work. Um, I go outside because Louisiana has been very blessed with good weather right now. I think our experience would be very different if it weren't. So I go outside. So do you think that we could lobby someone to um, flip the switch on pandemic right as the thermostat flips? Because I'm enjoying being outside too, and I am not going to enjoy it as much when it's 100. When it's hot, I know. I, I, yeah, I 200% humidity. And look, my day just sounded real pathetic, but I mean, like, you know, I don't no. have kids. My husband works offshore. And so, like, I, I kind of look out the window like... All by myself. Don't want, but it is what it is. So, no, yeah. but you are at heart an introvert. So, in some ways, you're creating the reality that you need to have right now. I do love it. And then when I find myself anxious, I do drive bys. Sure. I, I visit people in their driveway. And I, there might have been some people who visited you in your driveway a couple times. Yes, so. thank you. You're welcome. Um, what event most shaped who you are now? Um, my go-to event is probably um, two things. One was uh, an unhealthy relationship that I was able to get out of and learn so much from. And so it taught me a lot about myself and how I grew up or, or you know, like how I wanted to grow up and be myself. So that, and then honestly, um, kind of after Katrina, I lost my 20 year restaurant career, worked with you guys for a year, um, got some counseling and coaching and at 39 years old, went back to school to get my master's to do this. Um, so those kind of two, and I do like to think of like some of the things that are the biggest blessings in my life came from challenges. And so I just kind of like to think of that kind of pattern. I think we need to go back to that just for a minute. Cause I think sure. that's really important. Cause you just unpacked like five huge things. I know. Um, no, no. And it's good though, because there's a number of what some people would talk about as very traumatic events and you see them as shifting and shaping these next great chapters. And that's only from time and therapy. <laughs> and I think that's the important <laughs> yeah. thing to mention. It's just because like it, it, when I was in the relationship, it had a ch it's immense challenges. I mean, I was losing myself, my relationship with friends and families. And at the time I couldn't see what that was, how that was going to serve me. It's, it was only until after same thing with Katrina, um, you know, like we lost everything, every way of life. And so it was only till after that you can see it. Um, so that's why now having that experience, I know to look for those things right now. Uh, that is really only why I know to look for it because I know it's there. I know it's possible. Well, and, and I like to think, you know, every step has led you down the path to this place. So you wouldn't be in the place you are right now and able to give the help that you give if all of those things hadn't put you here. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So um, you mentioned Laura earlier, so I'm guessing she would probably be your answer for longest standing friendship. You know, um, I go, so I've known you for you and Mike for what is that? 28 years. Yeah. High school would be uh, Gina Gomez. She's in okay. New Orleans, Laura and Hallie. We actually had lunch for our 50th. 50th birthdays, but, um, we had lunch for our 50th. So high school, but then really, so I, I think grade school and Facebook, social media has been huge for keeping those connections. So I still keep in touch with Colette and the, the whole Corwin family that were my neighbors on Restgate, New Orleans East. Oh, and Bubba, no Bubba, excuse Bubba. me, Don, 
Don Moore is probably one of my longest standing. Whatever. (laughs) So what would uh, Bubba say he likes the least about you? Nothing. He loves everything about me. I believe that's probably true. I am perfect. (laughs) What values do you live by? Uh, Joy and freedom. And I I come to it because like with the Brene Brown work that I do, um, that work I've already done, like to acknowledge those are my values, joy and freedom. And so if I'm off kilter, it's probably because I let go of those values. Um, I make decisions based on those values. So joy and freedom. Those are good. What's your guilty pleasure? Um, Chocolate, uh, TV, like The Bachelor and American Idol. American Idol. Do you remember we went to see them? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I thought about that the other day. I was like, I can't believe we did that. <laughs> that was the first concert that they did, right? The first live. And yeah. that was after Katrina. Yeah. It was like a, a fundraiser for them. And yeah, yeah. we were able to do that. Yes. That was so and show tunes, of course. I mean, but that's well, like, that's my alter ego. Yeah. How would you like to be remembered? Um, if I were to think, honestly, it would be like a life-changing counselor, but that might not be it. Um, but like a, um, a compassionate counselor comforting person that's good what do you say to yourself when you're in doubt (laughs) well i know it should be something encouraging and eventually i do get to that um i I really i have to acknowledge that i'm in i'm in doubt i kind of sit with that for a lot i have to challenge those thoughts and say if i go for joy and freedom that includes me being authentic even if that comes across as weird or whatever so go for authentic because you'll be much happier on the other side What advice would you give to this year's graduates? You know, I've I've thought about that because I've heard you ask that too. Um, I even hate to even give advice because it it kind of gives an indication that you should not be sad or find find like the silver lining. It's, It's a sucky position that they're in. So it's okay to grieve, be disappointed. I mean... It, it is what it is, but I would say to look for the good, celebrate yourselves because we all are trying to as best that we can too. And you will be on the other side of this at some point, graduating from college and looking back and going, dang, can you believe that that, that was my senior year? So be compassionate to yourself and give yourself time to grieve and celebrate yourself too. Both yeah. Hand. Yeah. Both hand. What's the one thing in your life that you're glad you did? Um, so many, but probably moved to Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and went back to school. Moving to Seattle, I was there for nine years. Um, what? Would you Nothing. Say? No, it makes me laugh. There's never just one thing. And I love that about I just you. Thought, I know. I, 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 I've had too much time on my hands, Jackie. <laughs> I'm having human interaction. It's just awesome. Um, moving uh, to Seattle, I feel like I grew up there. Okay. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. What okay. historical event would you most like to have witnessed? Hmm. I may have to take a pass or I'll come back to that. It's the people because, playing live. Come on. Oh God. Yes. Atta- I can atta- answer these questions for you. <laughs> Wait, did I? Um, yes. The Beatles playing at t- even Tad Gormley stadium um, right. when, when they came to new Orleans, yeah, the right. Beatles playing live. because you know, you think historical and everything you think of is like dramatic. It's like, yeah, no, I'm dying. I don't want to be in any of those. Right. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Beatles playing live. So, Woodstock. Ooh, but then that would have been muddy and wet. But yeah, the Beatles playing live. You would have suffered through the muddy. I would have totally. Yeah. Okay. What's the best mistake you ever made? Um. Yeah, probably Prince of Darkness. Um. There was forgiveness there, so I'm being kind about it. Okay, sorry. Yes. Um. 
<laughs> I don't call them mistakes any, you know, because right? I know that um, even if I do make a mistake, it'll course correct and it'll be an opportunity for learning. So I really don't see them as mistakes anymore. Um, so yeah, I don't really see it as mistakes anymore. It was That's a good. Yeah, yeah. That. I, I, I like that answer. I'm fine. A hard, hard relationship, but it, it wasn't a mistake because it got me where I am. So right. no, no mistakes, just opportunities. That's What's the therapy. Pettiest pet peeve. Pet peeve. Your pettiest pet peeve. Ooh, pettiest. I try. Um, the first thing when I hear pet peeve, I think blinkers. People's imp- irresponsible use of blinkers. Learn how to use a blinker. It does not mean. I'm getting over. It means I want to get over. Let me in, please. But um, pettiest, I don't know. Okay. Pass on we'll that. go with blinkers. That's blinkers, fine. blinkers. Um, what's the one thing you'd change about yourself? <sighs> um, how much I think over answer and my weight. <laughs> <laughs> good. That's a good one thing. Um, the greatest <laughs> gift we can give to each other. <laughs> acceptance and space to for for you for you for for to be you that's good um what's the greatest gift we can give to ourselves same yeah exactly same what question do you wish i'd asked um hey do you, did you um ha, does everyone in acadiana know that you're the only certified daring way um facilitator of the brene brown research and what would your answer have been uh, they do now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Two cards left. That means okay. it's time for the lightning round. Okay. Um, one word answers. One. Okay. One word. I got These it. These are your favorites. First thing that pops into your mind. Favorite place on earth. See, New Orleans. Ooh. Favorite um, movie you can't turn off. Singing in the rain. Favorite TV show to binge. Parks and Rec. Oh, good one. Uh, favorite book. And I know you mentioned the one earlier, so you can go back to that or a new one. Which one did I say? Oh, no. My favorite book um, is A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving. <sighs> oh, it makes me laugh t- and cry. Okay, we're pausing your lightning round for a minute. Did I okay. tell you how I first got that book? Mm-mm. So I was in um, Rhode Island when I lived up there that summer, and I was working at a bed and breakfast in Wakefield. Um, very formative time in my life, as you know. And um, I was waiting on a woman who was a business traveler, and she was there alone. Um, and it was the first time I mm-hmm. consciously remember somebody eating dinner by themselves and not looking weird or uncomfortable or sad about it. And, um, I could tell, cause I was very good at my job that she really wanted to be left alone. Cause she was deep in this book. So I did my usual, you know, waiter thing, but I didn't hover or annoy. And, um, she had a great meal and a great experience and she was there for a couple hours. And when she was done, she left me a 200% tip and the book. <gasps> and I still have that copy in my study today. I read it in two days and I reread it every couple of years. It is absolutely one of my favorites. Yeah, me too. It, it's the, I, I'm, not, I'm not a reader really all that well. And it's the first book I read like that was for choice, I guess. Right. And it was my first year in Seattle. It kept me company when I was like laid off and alone in a strange uh, city. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. John Irving. Now, as a baseball mom, there's some parts of that book that make me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Favorite podcast? Other than this, of course. Um, Invisibilia, NPR. Ooh. I don't it's know fascinating. One. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. I'm going to find it. Favorite car? Um, my Jeep Grand Cherokee uh, that I bought in Seattle. Yeah. Oh, but like ever? 
That's that, a, that's I'll give a good an answer. answer. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Favorite musician? Uh, Beatles. Favorite song? By them or someone else? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's too hard. Okay. Favorite sport? Saints. Favorite meal? And not football. No, I know. I was clear on that Just answer. Just to clarify. Okay, what? What was what? Favorite <laughs> meal. Whatever somebody else is cooking for me. Yeah, buddy. Uh, favorite oh, leader? Oh, but to, to, like Central Pizza's Polly, I would accept every day. <gasps> yeah, but, that's a good one too. Okay, so plug. Favorite leisure activity? Probably TV, movies. Yeah. Favorite way to treat yourself? <laughs> treat yourself. Um, exactly. <laughs> ice cream. Yep. Uh, now, last card. These are the questions from the famed actor studio. Ooh, then let me assume a position. Okay. So although you've never had the opportunity for James Lipton to interview you, Rip, okay. this is my, well, no, not anymore. Um, he passed away. Oh, okay. like two weeks ago. Um, but yeah. this is my version of it. You know, this is, I know. That's what I said. I honor him as he honored Bernard de Perdue or whatever. Um, <laughs> so your favorite word. Hmm. Least favorite word. I don't think I have one. Okay. Um, what turns you on? Uh, uh, like when people are real. Okay. What turns you off? Exactly the opposite. Yeah. Like when, yeah, fake. Sound or noise that you love? Um, I love musical chords and singing together. Nice. Uh, sound or noise that you hate? Oh, I'm a pass. It's just that blinker. Never Silence. Silence, maybe. I'm not going right. to get pregnant. Right. Pauses. Um, favorite curse word? I don't curse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. Because you just did 10 minutes ago. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I string, honestly, I string three together and it's very satisfying. But it, it, it is, they are very. Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, you know, my alter ego, a fantasy world would be a um, musical theater performer any, anywhere. I mean, I love doing it here in town, um, but that. Yeah. Um, what profession would you not like to do? Math. Yeah. Yeah. Anything with it. Um, when I you, why am I, wait, Lindsay Perry's Lindsay Perry, Lindsay Perry, why? Clarify. Why or about what? Hold on. Hold on. Lindsay Perry. Let's give her a chance to type it out because then I'm going to do the big finish question. Oh, shoot. Michelle also knows that you like to curse. Oh, that. Okay. Never mind. All right. Oh, that's what it is. Don't type it, Lindsay. Don't type it. Block Lindsay. Next question. Big finale. Um, When you arrive at heaven, what do you want to hear God say at the pearly gates? Um, I told you you were good the whole time. I loved you the whole time. Oh, that's a perfect finish. I love you all the whole time. Thank you for your time. We appreciate this hour. Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, thanks. Thanks for your friendship. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for having me, especially for the opportunity for everybody to say, for mental health in general, um, to say, please reach out. Reach out to your friends and reach out to a professional if you need it. Nobody has to be alone right now. And thank all of you uh, for tuning in, watching live, listening later on the podcast. Uh, If you have suggestions of future guests, I'd love to hear it because I'm booking them up and I like doing these things and they're going to last as long as they're fun for all of us. So thank you all for your time. And I hope that you can stay healthy and really um, find a way through it uh, and let the changes that this brings in you hopefully be positive ones. Thank you all very much. See you next time.
Whatever.